Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Good morning, church. Who is excited to be in church today? For those of you that are new, my name is Ali and my beautiful wife and I, we started Center Set three years ago with this, what I call our God dream, this burden that God gave us. He wanted us to create a church that not only Christians could grow in their faith, but listen, unchurched people, those who are new to the faith, could explore. This is a place where you can belong before you believe. So if this is your first time to center set, or this is your first time to church, let me tell you, you're going to be challenged, you're going to be encouraged, and you are going to be inspired. We are in a collection of talks called Trials to Triumph. And once or twice a year, we go through a book of the Bible together. This is where God wants to speak to us. The theme of this collection of talks is that life is not about conquering. Often, it's about enduring and not quitting. And before we begin, let me just quickly pray. God, thank you so much for this word. God, thank you so much that you're going to change us, that we're going to leave this place different than how we came in. We want to leave looking more like Jesus, talking more like Jesus, thinking more like Jesus, loving more like Jesus. And if everybody believes that everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Uh, in the middle of quarantine, uh, many parents know this, but it was hard to entertain your kids. Uh, parks were closed, amusement parks were closed, and I got two girls, a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and Fridays used to be our daddy-daughter days. So what do you do when you can't go to Jamba Juice, because Jamba Juice is closed? What do you do when you can't go to the park or Disneyland? The best thing that we could do is I'd put my kids in a stroller and we just walk around the neighborhood and go to Starbucks because that was the one place that was open this summer. And we walked by home after home. We saw animals. We saw birds. We saw squirrels. And I remember there was this one home in this neighborhood. Every neighborhood has that home. It's the ugly home. It's the, it's the ratchet home, right? It's the home that they don't keep up. And uh, one day we walk, walk by it and they had, there's this picket chain link fence around the entire house. Then the next day we come by and the whole house is demolished. And there was this sign that says, please excuse the mess. And I remember thinking, man, that is a great sign, not just for a construction site, but that is a great sign for your faith. Because if you, listen, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to go on this journey of following him, you need to know that your life is continually, perpetually, uh, consistently a work in progress. It was the great artist and sculptor Michelangelo that one time famously was asked, as he was sculpting, Michelangelo, what are you doing? And as he was sculpting this marble stone, he said, I am liberating an angel from the stone. And man, does that not speak to what God is doing? The author and perfecter of our faith, who is sculpting our character, who is chiseling away our imperfections, our carnal and fleshly nature, to bring out our calling, to bring out the true version of us that he's created us to be. And Life is messy, man. It got even messier in COVID. I feel like I say this every single week, so I apologize. I've been, I've been talking about COVID for a year, and I'm going to keep talking about it. Life got more difficult in COVID. Life got more challenging in COVID. Life got, got more messy in COVID. And God, I just feel, gave me a word to encourage our congregation, a word to lift you up, that, that you can look at your mess, and you, there's this mantra that you're not going to quit. You're not, you're not going to give up, but you're going to endure. It says, please excuse the mess. That's the title of today's topic today. That it, it, Please excuse the mess. And the enemy, he, he doesn't want you to know your calling. He wants to discourage you. He wants to uh, tell you about your past and tell you the mess is the very reason that God can't use you in your life. But the mess is not dis disqualify you. The mess is an indication that God is working on you. And 
In the same way, when you go to a construction site, and it is messy, and it's like, man, what is going on here? If someone comes to you in your faith and sees the mess, listen, you got to get this in your spirit. Please excuse the mess. Can I talk to any moms out there that had to be a full-time employee, full-time chef, full-time teacher, please excuse the mess. Can I talk to any dads out there? You had to work full-time, you had to be a dad full-time, you had to be a chef full-time, please excuse the mess. Can I speak to any entrepreneurs that had to pivot? Maybe you had to close a business and start a new business. Please excuse the mess. And this is not just a message that I want to preach. Listen, this is a sermon that God wants you to preach to yourself on those days that you want to give up, on those days that you don't feel like continuing the faith. So many people have walked away from God in COVID. God wants your faith to endure. And you got to get this in your spirit today. It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay just to stay that way. Please excuse the mess. And the author of this is a man named Peter. And He's writing to five churches in what's modern-day Turkey, and he's writing to these churches that are under immense pressure, immense persecution. you got to understand a little bit about the history, that Rome is this superpower. They are the, the largest military, the largest economic country in the world. They are the epicenter of culture. There are no external enemies that can take Rome down. Rome, though, is going down, not from the outside, from the inside. There is division, there is conflict, there is warring of, of, of ideologies, and there are these different groups pulling people from different worldviews, and there is this small group of people known as followers of the way. That's what Christians were called 2,000 years ago. They weren't even called Christians, they were called followers of the way. And they're being pulled into these different factions, being told to abandon faith, being persecuted. And they're not enduring, and Peter's writing this letter with that theme, don't quit, don't give up. Please excuse the mess. God is not done working on you. And, and there are three things that I want to get in your spirit today. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first one is this. I am being built. I am being built. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 4. As you come to Him, someone say, come to Him. Mark that in your Bibles. Write it, circle it. The more marked up your Bible is, the less marked up your life is. As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I love the thought the idea that Peter's trying to get into us. He's saying, come to him. He's, he's speaking to Christians, saying, you don't just come to him once, you got to continually come to Jesus. Come to who? Jesus. And it's this idea that this word come, it totally encapsulates the entirety of the gospel. That you come as you are. You come no matter who you are. You come no matter what you've done. All are welcome to Jesus. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, come to me all you who are weary and I will give you rest. And anybody need a vacation in 2021 after the last year that we just lived, right? How about, how about you? Does anybody want a vacation that never ends? Jesus will give you rest that never stops. Why? Because it's not external, it's internal. It's not a physical rest. It's a spiritual rest. And Jesus doesn't give this to you through religion. He gives it to you through relationship. And the beauty of Jesus, listen, he says, come to me. 
And there are no conditions. And generally religious people will say, come to him after you stop cussing. Come to him after you stop drinking. Come to him after you stop sleeping around. And Jesus says, no, 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 there are no conditions. Come to me in your brokenness. Come to me in your divorce. Come to me in your addiction. Come to me with your anger problems and I will give you rest. Because the scriptures are not trying to clear that God's the one that cleans you up. God's the one that gives you this eternal rest. Not your actions, not your behaviors, but what he has done for you. Peace, listen, is not a place or a destination. Peace is a person. And the idea that Peter's trying to get into our heart is you got to continually come to him. So often Christians will describe the day of their salvation. Oh, here's a picture of the day I was baptized. Oh, here's the day I, I received Christ. And often they don't tell you the, how they keep coming to him. They describe their faith as the, a one-time coming to Him. Salvation is about repenting, turning from your way and coming to Jesus. And let me be very clear. Peter's clearly explaining repentance is not a one-day thing. It's a daily thing. That daily you need to come to Jesus. Daily, I need, to, I need Jesus more today than I did yesterday. And as you're following Him, it's not just about the day of your salvation. It's how are you following Him. So many Christians can describe the day they receive Christ but they can't describe how they're following Him now. Are you following Jesus? Are you coming to Him? Because if you're coming to Him, He's going to take you to places that you may not want to go. Listen, whatever Jesus received, we got to receive. He was persecuted. He was mocked. Listen, the world killed Jesus. Why should we expect anything less? And Peter's saying, you are being built, but how are you, how's that happening? You got to come to Him. And he continues. Verse 4 says, as you come to Him, the living stone, some translations say the cornerstone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to Him. You also like living stones. What is Peter saying? As are being built into a spiritual house. It's the idea that you are being built, that if you walk around the, the construction side of your faith, it, it looks messy, it looks ugly, but you got to please excuse the mess. I am being built, but how are we being built? We're being built by coming to the cornerstone, the foundation, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the cornerstone. And often in American Christianity, we think faith is just private. It's just me and Jesus. Just me and him alone. This is a private faith. No one needs to know. And what Jesus is saying is the moment you're connected with him, you're now connected to other living stones. In the same way that if a child does not have a family, she's considered an orphan. A Christian without a church is a spiritual orphan. God does not build buildings. He builds people. And he, he's not talking about physical bricks. He's talking about spiritual bricks. So you got to understand, this is not just a mandate for you to be connected to a church. This is about mission as well. How does Jesus continue his ministry 2,000 years later after he's gone? How does Jesus speak to people? How does Jesus heal people? How does Jesus minister to people? He does it through his people, his bride, his his, his living stones. This is why Jesus does not invest in buildings. Jesus invests in people. And as you come to him, he's going to call you to be connected to a local body. And it continues. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Someone say, being built. I love that Peter uses this phrase. Listen, you got to understand, there's a difference between been and being. Been is done. Being is, 
is, is happening. Bin is past tense. Being is present and future tense. Bin means it's complete. It's finished. There's nothing left to do. Being is God is not done. He is still working. He is still doing something. And often we got to realize is God is working on you. He is building you. It's not that you're done being built. When, so when you look at the mess, don't be discouraged. When you see the messiness, and often we think, man, I'm not a good Christian. No, it just means God's not done with you. You won't be done until you're in heaven. I am being built. I remember I had to learn this the, the hard way. My wife and I, we, we sold our home in Sunnyvale. Uh, to move to San Jose. We, we've been doing church the last two and a half years before COVID at the Hotel Valencia at Santana Road, the, the intersection of 880 and 280. We just felt called by God to kind of reach that community. And so we sold our home in Sunnyvale and we bought a fixer up in San Jose. And now when I'm saying fixer up, I mean this house was built in the 60s and had not been touched for 40 years. And I remember walking to the home and there was literally a fireplace in the middle of the living room. We're going to my general contractor. I'm like, bro, this has got to go. I'm not like a, a, a camp. I mean, this is not a log cabin where I need to throw bricks and wood into this fireplace to keep my home. I, I have a, a furnace I'm going to install. We don't need this. Please remove this. He calls me the next day and goes, Ali, we have a problem. I'm like, what's the problem? He goes, come. And in the middle of my kitchen, there was a pole that was hidden beneath the fireplace. It, it was a support beam. I'm like, what are you going to do with this? He's like, we can't move it. I'm like, why? He's like, if we want to move this beam into the wall, we got to tear that wall down and move the support beam from the middle of the living room kitchen all the way to the wall. I'm like, what's that going to cost? He's like, well, it's about 10 grand. I'm like, leave it. <laughs> We're not going to tear this thing down. But he gave me this picture. Where we had to, he was telling me that he had to tear down a perfectly good wall to rebuild it and build a brand new wall. Man, if that doesn't preach, I don't know what will. Often God will tear down something that's functional, something that's working in your life because he's working on you. You are being built. Listen, sometimes when you come to Jesus, he, he will call things out in year three that he didn't call in year one. Why? Because he's continually working on you. Just as Michelangelo is chipping away the marble to liberate the angel, the author and perfecter of your faith is liberating the imperfections, liberating those things. So when you come to a construction site and you see the mess, man, you know that they know what they're doing. Why? Because they have a blueprint. Jesus has a blueprint on what he's building. Don't be discouraged by the mess. Write this down, this idea. God looks beyond the mess and sees the masterpiece. God looks beyond the mess and sees the masterpiece. Ephesians 2 says, you are Christ's worksmanship. Sometimes I say, you are his masterpiece. He knows what he's building. Listen, if you go to a construction site, and it's cleaner during construction than afterwards, they're, they're not building right. They're, they're doing something wrong. So don't be discouraged. God knows exactly what he's doing. You gotta get comfortable in the mess. You gotta look at the mess and give yourself some grace. Please excuse the mess. I am being built, but can I encourage you? Don't let the mess become permanent. See, often Christians say, oh, this is just my addiction. This is the way it's always been. And they live with anger year after year. They live with their addiction year after year. They, they gossip year after year. It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to not make progress. Listen, you are being built on Jesus. You need to come to him. Not as a one-time thing. It's not a day of your salvation. It's a daily thing. As you keep coming to him, he will continue to build on you, change you, and refine you. And listen, in the same way you come to a construction site, and you give it grace, it is under construction. 
You need to give your faith some grace because it is under construction. Please excuse the mess. Number one, I am being built. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. On a firm foundation. For look what the scripture says. See, I lay in a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which was what they were destined for. See, you got to realize, number one, I am being built on a firm foundation. As a pastor, the, the most important question I can ask, almost ask you every single week is, what are you building your life on? What are you building your life on? The foundation is honestly the most important part of a building. Anybody remember what Santana Row was 20 years ago before it was Santana Row? It was town and country. I remember being a 10-year-old, and that was the hot spot to go as a little kid. You had town and country on one side. There was ice cream stores and candy stores. And on the other side was Century Theaters. Fast forward 20 years, and Santana Row took over town and country. And about three years ago, they bought the Century Theaters. And the reason why I know this is I drive by it every day. You see the construction and little by little they tore the theaters down and i never forget one day I remember driving by and there's this big massive pile of dirt. I'm like, where is this dirt coming from? Because they're building a new foundation. The old building was about 25 feet tall. It only needed a foundation to support 25 feet. The new building, if you've driven by, is like 200 feet tall. It's about 10 stories. It's massive. The higher you want to go, the deeper your foundation must be. The bigger the building, the stronger and wider the foundation. Listen, it does not matter how beautiful the building is. It does not matter how aesthetic it is. If the foundation is weak, the building will crumble in the same way. I can preach to you. I can holler at you. I can make these sermons fun and get you to say amen. But if you don't apply what I'm saying, if you don't build your life on Jesus, it will crumble. This is what Peter's saying. He's saying, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. What's a cornerstone? It's a foundation. Peter's trying to get this in your spirit. If you don't build your life on Jesus, it's going to crumble. If you don't build your marriage on Jesus, it's going to crumble. If you don't build your finances on Jesus, it's going to crumble. If you don't build your sexuality on Jesus, it's going to crumble. If you don't build your parenting, listen, on Jesus, it will crumble. And the thing about foundations that's so funny is when people buy new homes, you know what they do? They invite all their friends over. It's a housewarming party. I have never in my life seen everyone invite their friends and family to a dirt field and say, guys, this is my foundation warming party. Look at this, look at this foundation. No one does that. Foundations aren't sexy. You actually, you, people never talk about foundations. The best foundations are unseen. You never think about them. You never see them. Only bad foundations do you see because there's a crack. The building's falling. You need to fix it. See, in the same way, what Peter's saying is often, spiritually speaking, Christians, they, they work on the symptoms. They don't work on the, the root problems. And the root problem, listen, you don't have an alcohol problem. You don't have a sin problem. You don't have a, a drug problem or a porn problem. You have a Jesus problem. That he's not the foundation of your life. I had to learn this 
lesson with my wife. When, as soon as we took down the, the fireplace, we finally got the home renovated. We moved in. I'm embarrassed to say this, but we had rats. Like, not like little cute, you know, mice you see on like Sesame Street, like splinter rats from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, these things were massive, right? And the reason we found out we had rats is my, one, one night my daughter spilled milk on the couch. And the next morning, literally, there's a hole in the side of our couch. The rat had eaten through the couch to get to the milk. I'm like, we're moving out. We're either setting the house on fire or we're getting an exterminator. So we call an exterminator. And in my mind, I thought he was just going to lay traps around the house. He's like, no, you never want to do that. I'm like, why? He's like, San Jose is infested with millions of rats. You never just handle the symptom. I'm like, what are you going to do, bro? He went around my house for an hour. And he covered every hole as an entry into my house. We have a crawl space in our home and there's these little vents that you can see underneath the house. He went to every single vent and put a new metal wire guard. I'm like, what are you doing? He says, this does two things. This keeps the rats on the outside so they can't go in. And it keeps the rats that are inside from coming out. I said, Como? What do you mean from coming out? I'm like, there are rats in my house? He's like, yes. I'm like, let's set the house on fire. He's like, no. This is where I don't set traps on the outside of your house. I set traps on the inside after I've trapped them. Because once I kill all the rats, no one else can come in. In the same way, listen, there are Christians, you have spiritual rats in your life. And you keep dealing with the symptoms instead of going to the foundation. The reason why you keep stumbling, the reason why you keep cussing, the reason why you keep going back to porn, the keep, reason why you keep going back to that booty call is because your life is not built on Jesus. He's not the foundation of your life. You, you love those things more than Jesus. And that's the, the thought that Peter's trying to get in your life. It's not that you're being built. It's okay if there's a construction site. But what are you building your life on? It's either sand or the rock. It's either Jesus or junk. And if he's the foundation of your life, Peter says he's precious. He's this cornerstone. But when people don't build their life on him, look what Peter says. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. The stone the builders have rejected, has become the cornerstone. And the stone that causes people to stumble, a rock that makes them fall, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is what they were destined for. Have you ever noticed this? You'll be talking with friends or maybe coworkers, and people will be talking about God, and the moment you mention the name of Jesus, people are like, oh, that's kind of weird. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Why? Because Jesus causes people to stumble. It reveals that he is not their cornerstone. Let me try to make this as practical as I can. How do you know that your faith is being built on a firm foundation? you got to write this thought down. You will never build a life on Jesus if you don't let him disagree with you. Do you and Jesus argue? Do you and Jesus get along about everything? If you do, you probably aren't coming to him every day. Listen, there are days I yell at Jesus. There are days I don't want Jesus to be my God. You want me to forgive him? You want me to do what for my wife? That's not fair. If some of my closest relationships are the ones I disagree with. Listen, it's not like Jesus is following me. I'm following him. Which means his ways need to become my ways. His thoughts need to become my thoughts. His behavior needs to become my behavior. Whenever Jesus and I have a disagreement, whenever I don't agree, I need to submit and realize his truth needs to become my truth. So often, man, I just be honest. 
I disagree with Jesus. There are days I don't want to serve and love my enemies. There are days I don't want to give unconditional love to my wife. There are days that people gossip, talk trash, and I want revenge. And Jesus says there's another way. And even if I disagree with him, because I'm trying to build my life on him, we disagree. I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm paid to be good. Most of you listening at home, you're good for nothing. Who wants to serve? Not everyone, but he calls us to. If I can speak prophetically to some of you. Some of you are on this journey of following Jesus, and he gave you a vision for your marriage, or he gave you a vision, listen, for, for your, your family, you have kids, or maybe he gave you a vision for, your, for a business, and it hasn't come to pass. One of the things I want to encourage you, because this sermon is really to encourage you. Listen, you, are, you need to give yourself some grace Please excuse the mess. I am being, being built. It's not been built, it's being built. But often when there's a delay on your destiny, often when those things that God has placed in your heart that haven't come to pass, it's because Jesus is working on the foundation. In the same way you can't build up on a building until the foundation is good, Jesus can't build spiritually on you until the foundation is good. Number one, I'm being built. Number two, on a firm foundation. And number three, to glorify God. To glorify God. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Listen, what Peter's trying to get into your spirit this morning, it's not enough to know that you are being built. It's not enough to know that you are being built on a firm foundation. You need to know why. Why am I being built? Why am I being built on a firm foundation? Because it's not about you. Life is not about you. Your life is meant to know God and glorify God. In everything that you do, in the good times and the bad times, and often we want to clean our life up. We want it to be squeaky clean before we give God glory. Listen, the only time you'll be squeaky clean is when you're in heaven. If you wait, you will miss out on giving glory in your mess. You will miss out giving glory in the brokenness of your faith because God's not done with you. That's the declaration. Of course I want a marriage, but I want my marriage to glorify God. Of course I want healthy kids, but I want my kids to glorify God. Of course I want a healthy, growing, vibrant church. Of course I want to make money, but I want to do those things for the glory of God. That's what Peter's inviting you to. That's the invitation. Don't disqualify yourself because of the mess. You and I see the mess. God sees the masterpiece. He is like Michelangelo. He comes to the brokenness of our lives and he wants to liberate us. He sees us in ways that we don't see. This is why often in the scriptures, when God comes to someone of faith, he gives them a new name. It has nothing to do with the name. He's actually giving them an identity. He wants them to see themselves the way that God sees them. If you're part of our dream team, anybody part of our dream team, if you're not part of our dream team, you need to go to Growth Track. We do this once a month. Register on this link right here. Once a month, we help you discover your your purpose and your calling. Why? My why for life. We want to help you on that spiritual journey. But when you graduate Growth Track, you join the dream team. And every Sunday before service, we gather. There's 35 people that gather on Sundays. There's big dream team huddle. 
and I get up in front of everyone and I say, repeat after me, I'm a leader. And the crowd goes, I'm a leader. I go, repeat after me, I'm a person of influence. And people say, I'm a person of influence. People say, why do you, why do you have us say this, Pastor Alley? Because 99% of Christians don't think they're a leader. 99% of Christians will never even verbalize, will never even say those words out loud. And the reason why I want you to say it when you join the dream team is because that's what God says about you. And if you keep saying it week in and week out, you'll realize that's the way that God sees you. You and I see the mess. God sees the masterpiece. And listen, God has a leadership model. You want to read this? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you, this is speaking to everyone who can hear the sound of my voice, are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Can we talk about how awesome that leadership motto is? God's special possession. That's what God declares about you in the mess, in the, in the, in the chaos of your faith. May declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now. Someone say, but now. You are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now. Someone say, but now. You have received mercy. What is Peter saying? Why is he repeating this phrase, but now, twice? It's this conjunction that there was this moment before you met Jesus, but now that you've met him, now that grace has hit you, you are totally different. Before I was addicted, but now I met Jesus, he set me free. Before my life was marked by anger and revenge, but he's healed my heart. Once I was not a people, but now I'm the people of God. Once I had not received mercy, but now I have received mercy. And this is what Peter's trying to get in your spirit, that everyone has a but now moment. There was a moment in our life where our life was marked by our brokenness, marked by our mess, marked by our dysfunction. But the moment we met Jesus is but now. And it's not a one-time thing. It's a continually coming to him. And it's continually changing you, continually transforming you. You got to realize who is writing this letter? Peter. Some of you were not here with us week one where I explained who Peter was. Let me tell you, for those of you that are new to Christianity, maybe new to this book, Peter is the cussing disciple. Peter is the dude on the day that Jesus is arrested, he knows Jesus is going to get arrested, he knows Jesus is going to get crucified, and instead of packing a lunch, instead of packing a journal, maybe a teddy bear, this dude packs a knife because he's hood like that. One time in Luke chapter 9, I didn't even talk about this, Jesus goes to a city filled with Samaritans and they reject Jesus. And Peter goes to Jesus, do you want me to pray and call down fire on the city? Let me modernize that. He's like, Jesus, do you want me to bust a cap in these people? That guy's a disciple. This guy has an anger problem. This guy has revenge in his heart. This guy's packing a knife. This guy's a hood. This guy cusses. And most of us would disqualify him from any leadership positions, even at Center Set. I was thinking this week, if Peter came to Center Set, would I let him lead a group? If I looked at this dude's Instagram, he's cussing people out, he's cussing, he's cutting people off, he wants revenge, he wants to kill people. And yet, most of us, not only would we disqualify him, not only was he disqualified, most Jewish people were chosen to be rabbis at the age of 13. He was disqualified in his own culture. Most pastors in America, would, if they didn't know who Peter was, would look at this dude's Instagram and his life and be like, sorry bro, you are not ready we would disqualify him. And yet this guy wrote the scriptures. This guy wrote the book of 1 Peter. This should encourage you and challenge you that God, if you can do it with him, 
He can do it with you. But more than that, listen, we don't have the right to cancel anybody. We can't discard because they are a work in progress. God's still working on them. Their story is not over. So what if they stumble? So what if they walk away? So what if they have dark moments? They are a work in progress. Please excuse the mess. That phrase is not just when we look in the mirror and say, God, give me grace. Let me give grace to myself. It's also for you to give grace to the person you're sitting next to in church. It's also for the grace that you're, you're doing life with. That you're not the only living stone. There are other living stones that are just as jacked up and messed up as you are. I don't know about you, but I don't have time to judge other people. I'm too busy trying to love them. I don't have time to criticize other people and the mess in their life. My life is just as messy as as theirs. I don't have time to judge. I don't have time to criticize. And Peter says this, but you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Please, please excuse the mess. Don't judge me by my mess. God sees the masterpiece. You see the stone and the dirt on the ground. God sees the angel, the masterpiece that he's trying to liberate. You know, you need to get this thought in your spirit to say, God takes our mess and he turns it into greatness. Is that not what God does? He takes people's broken lives and he does something miraculous. He doesn't just get glory when your life is clean. He gets glory when your life is full of cancer, when your life is broken, when your marriage is failing, when your kids are rebellious and you can still praise God and say, he's not done with me. God does not get just get glory from the, the cleanliness of a, a construction project that's done. He gets glory where it's in progress. Listen, God knew Peter was impatient. God knew he had an anger problem. God knew this man had a cussing problem, and yet God still chose to use him. God still chose to work on him. God still chose to redeem him. That should encourage you that you may look at your own life and see the mess and the mire and the mud. Like, there's no way that God can use me. And Peter's life declares, Your life may be messy, but you're chosen. Your life may be messy, but you are royalty. Your life may be messy, but you are priesthood. Your life may be messy, but God has chosen you for you to declare the praises of Him. Your mess does not disqualify you. Your disobedience is not your destiny. You are who God says you are. You need to get this in your spirit. This is a sermon that I want you to preach, not just tomorrow, but every day this week, that please excuse the mess. I am being built on a firm foundation to glorify God. When you want to quit, when you want to abandon the faith, when you feel like throwing in the towel, realize that life is not always about conquering. It is often about enduring. You need to give yourself some grace. You need to give other people grace. Why? Please excuse the mess. I'm being built, but so are they. We're building our life on the foundation of Jesus. Why? Not just for me. Jesus is not just to get out of hell free card. I want to live my life for his glory to make him famous that often we hide the mess in our lives but God wants to get glory from it. Church, if you can preach yourself this sermon, please, please excuse the mess. Your faith, church, 
is under construction. Let me pray real quick. God, thank you so much for this word that you gave us. This word through the life of Peter that this man had a cussing problem, this man had an anger problem, this man had a revenge problem. He even walked away from you, God, and his faith died when you died on a cross. But Jesus, you restored him. Jesus, you weren't done with him. Although man saw the mess, you, God, saw the masterpiece. Would you speak to your church today, God? Would you remind them that you're not done with them? That we would learn to preach this message to ourselves. That we'd give ourselves grace. Please excuse the mess that I'm being built on a firm foundation to glorify God. And everybody said, amen. For those of you that are new and you're calling centers at home, this is our time for offering where every week we want to bring our tithes and offerings to God. And every month we have new people that give and there are people that have called this place home that become reoccurring givers. And then those that have been giving and they, they up their giving. I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that after 11 months, after 56 weeks, so many of you did not stop giving. The reason we're able to do church this way is because of your obedience, that you are being built, your faith is being built, and you built your faith on a foundation. And you didn't give because of center set. You gave because you want to glorify God. And as your pastor, I just want to say thank you for your generosity. Lives are being changed. Last month, in the month of April, we had 14 new people at church. We, we had four salvations and we had four people go to the growth track. God is moving in center set and it could never happen, listen, without your generosity. Thank you so much. I want to take a moment and invite some of you that are at church for the very first time. Maybe you, you don't even know who Jesus is. Maybe you never knew that God is Jesus, that God left heaven. He was always God, he existed as God, and the eternal, forever, almighty God became a, a man in the person of Jesus. He's fully God and fully man. And he didn't come to give us a Bible, he didn't come to give us a, a building, he came to give us his life. And the essence of Christianity is that God came to die for our sins. God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that you and I can become the righteousness of God. How can we be, be declared righteous? How can we have right standing with God? I don't know about you, but my life is full of sin, and I'm a pastor. What well, happens through faith, that you receive the gift of salvation, you receive the righteousness of God, not through your works, but through your faith, so that when God sees me, he doesn't see Allie, he doesn't see Pastor Allie, he sees Jesus. And there's this great exchange where I give Jesus my sin, and he gives me his righteousness. And it's this gift that God wants to give you. It's free. The work of a Christian is simply to believe. And you receive this gift, not by doing anything, but by believing in your heart and declaring in your mouth that he's saved. If that's you this morning, we have this gift that we want to give you. It's a book called Following Jesus and a, a New Testament Bible that we want to give you on this journey. Jesus wants to speak to you. Jesus wants to be your God. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to come to him, not just one time, but every day. If that's you this morning and you want to start a relationship with this living God, Jesus, you want to give him your sins so that he can give you his righteousness, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray to receive the gospel. God, thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus, fully God, to become fully man.
and he did the impossible. He did what no one has ever done. He lived the sinless and perfect life so that when he died on a cross, God, he was the sinless, perfect sacrifice. That the, the blood of lambs and bulls, they, they just covered sin, but Jesus atoned for sin. God, I believe that. God, I place my faith in Jesus. God, I want to receive your salvation, not based on things that I do, but what Jesus has done for me. God, would you fill me with your spirit so I can walk with you, follow you, love you, and be with you all the days of my life? And everybody said, amen. If that was you this, this morning or this evening as you're watching this video, we would love to help you. Believe me when I say this, text CSJesus to 9700. We want to give you these resources. They're free. We want nothing from you. We just want to help you on this journey of faith. We love you. God bless you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.